If you have a Bible, go with me to the last book of your Bible, which is the book of Revelation. We'll be in chapters 4 and 5. I am, uh, I am pleased that you're here today, and, and it's an honor always to open God's Word with you. I'm, I'm glad you're finishing out the year strong, and, uh, and so by, by starting your week worshiping, this is a really good thing. This is the last week in the series called Worthy. The series, uh, by the way, today's message, I'm borrowing some of my outline from an author by the name of Warren Wiersbe, who's written some really good material Pretty much everything by Warren Wiersbe um, is uh, really good material, but he writes in the in a analysis book of Revelation, and I used a bit of that outline. I'm going to recommend another a book too called Heaven by this was entitled Heaven by Randy Alcorn. As I talk today about the worthiness of our Father who's in heaven, His dear Son Jesus, the finishing work of their, the Holy Spirit in our lives, the, the three persons of the Trinity. Um, but the book Heaven by Randy Alcorn is, um, is just a word study all the way through a kind of a topical study of heaven. And uh, it's a really good book, good analysis book, uh, contemporary writing. You can pick it up at local bookstores or get it on, online. Today I want to talk about the future of worship. And one of the things about, uh, about the future of worship when we talk about heaven is sometimes we think about things as if they were not real. And then there's this day you realize this is really real or this is really happening. Like the day you graduate from high school, you never thought it would happen, never thought it would happen, then it is really happening, right? And you're shocked, maybe not as much as your parents, but you're shocked. And then, or the day that you get married, like I'm really getting married, or I'm really taking a job. Um, the birth of a baby, is this really going to happen? Then it really happens or the death of a loved one, could this actually happen? And it, it, whatever those big life changes are, you, you wonder at times, you almost back away and look at them from a distance and wonder, are they real? Or am I really taking this in? Is this really, really happening? And I wanna to say to you about heaven, it is absolutely real, just as much as earth is real. And that's why worship is so critical that we call upon God and say to him that he is worthy, worthy of our devotion and worthy of our followership. And that should be announced when we are gathered and it should be evident when we are scattered as God's people. Uh, because when we celebrate the birth of Jesus, this time of Christmas, we celebrate him coming as savior and coming in infant form, in bodily flesh form, but the next time he comes, he's not coming as a baby. He's coming riding on a horse. He's not coming to save. He's coming to take over. He's coming as king. So when he comes in all of his glory and his awesome strength and majesty, there will be no doubt who is in charge. He will come as king. And we will bow down and we will worship him. And the central, kind of the, the central place of that worship in most of the book of Revelation will be, will be heaven itself. And it's mentioned about a dozen times in chapter 4, but it's, it's mentioned about four dozen times in the whole book of Revelation. And John describes, when John writes the book of Revelation, um, by the way, if you, if you don't know who John is, John's one of the writers of Scripture. He writes the Gospel of John as well. But when he writes, he's actually writing and he's, he's forecasting or predicting what's going to happen. So sometimes he is, he's saying what was what did happen, it's historical. And then he'll say what is happening, which is current. And, 
and then he'll announce what will happen. And when he does what will happen, sometimes he doesn't exactly know because it's, it's, sometimes it's pictorial or sometimes it's an analogy or sometimes it's the real deal. It's exactly the what it, it says it is. He's not exactly sure himself. Um, and so because he's, he's forecasting, he's, he's prophesying or predicting it. And so there's a past, a present, and a future. And when he did the past, he did the historic side. Then he does the present, which is the chapters 2 and 3, which is the seven churches of Revelation, is in kind of analysis of where the church is today. We go through certain cycles. And now he's talking about the future, and that's where we pick up in chapter 4. And um, read with me in verse, verse 1. Read silently as I read aloud. After this I looked, and before me was a door standing open in heaven... And the voice I had first heard speaking to me was like a trumpet said. Now stop right there. You have to kind of listen to this. This is coming out as words, but it's like a trumpet, okay? It's trumpet-like sounding. And the words say, come up here. I will show you what must take place after this. And if you have a red-letter edition Bible, those letters may actually be read. Those may be the words of Jesus saying, come up here but it sounds like a horn, like a trumpet, okay? All right. At once I was in the spirit, and there before me was a throne in heaven, and was someone sitting on it. And the one who sat there had an appearance of jasper and ruby. Get that? So they, he's not exactly sure what he's seeing. He's seeing a throne. He's seeing someone. Got, he's got some very valuable things, jasper, ruby, a rainbow shone around like emerald encircled the throne there's a rainbow around the throne there's obviously some gems in the middle at the throne it encircles the throne verse 4 surrounding the throne are 24 thrones and seated on them are 24 elders they're dressed in white and they have crowns of gold on their heads so there's there's this throne it has some gems there's a there is a a bit of a you, you notice this uh, kind of a rainbow effect happening and then you see 24 uh, elders sitting around and there, there's 24 thrones and there are elders on, on those thrones and they are in that circle. They're dressed in white and they have crowns of gold on their heads. That's verse 4, now verse 5. From that throne came flashes of lightning rumbling. So it's like it's stormy. It's, it's, uh, it's powerful. Flashes of lightning, rumblings, peals of thunder. In the front of the throne are seven lamps. They're blazing. In the seven spirits of God. Also in front of the throne there was what looked like a sea of glass, like crystal sea. So you have the, this throne, jewels, you have this, this uh, a rainbow around it, you have these 24 thrones, the thrones have 24 elders, the elders are dressed in white, they have crowns, you have lightning happening, it's stormy, there's thunder, it's loud, it's flashing, it's right there come the flashings of lightning the rumbles the seven spirits of god are there and then out in front of that is this crystal sea and at the center of the throne were four living creatures about this time you're going this can't get any more weird it's getting more and more awesome this is heaven there are four living creatures they're covered at the eyes in the front and the back how many of you had a teacher in school you swear had eyes in the back yes it's in the Bible. These animals, these beasts, these creatures had eyes in the back. And keep reading because they're actually under, actually under the wings. The creatures had wings too. The first living creature was like a lion. 
The second was like an ox. The, the third had a face like a man. The fourth like a flying eagle. So you have four different kinds of creatures. You get that now? You, you have a lion, an ox, a human, and an eagle. Those are the heads. But each of them has six wings covered with eyes around. Get that? So even doesn't matter what kind of animal they are, what kind of beast they are, they all have wings and under its wings, they have these eyes as well. So they have eyes pretty much everywhere. And day and night, they never stop saying, and before we get to that, think of it again. You have this throne. It has jewels on it. Around it is, uh, is this uh, rainbow, multicolored rainbow. Around that, there's these 24 thrones. Seated on it are 24 elders. Those 24 elders are dressed in white. They have crowns. There's thunder. There's lightning. It's kind of stormy, but there's flashes. It's bright. There's a great sea of glass out in front like crystal. Then there's four beasts, four creatures that are there, and they each have a different look about them, but they all seem to have wings, and they all have eyes everywhere. And those four living creatures are saying, Holy, holy, holy. Holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. And they just keep saying that. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. That's their job, is to pronounce the holiness of God, who was and is and is to come. And he is God Almighty. This is an awesome passage. It has, for your imagination, if you're not sure what's happening, nor are we. We just know it's incredibly great. And you don't want to miss it. Let me begin with prayer. God in heaven, we have just opened a passage that just uh, ignites our imagination. It takes us to the future. And we don't know exactly what to think of this. We have no clue as to how awesome heaven's going to be. But this little bit of, of, of a view inside, Lord tells us we want to be there and we want to be ready. We want to be the worshipers who are ready for heaven, not passively just watching, but participating in the worship itself. And we want to be the people who are holy and ready and, and rejoicing at the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, who has become the, the Savior of the world and is for us, Lord, Lord and King. May we honor him together as your people. Prepare our hearts with lives that are ready for heaven, for you alone are worthy, we pray in Jesus' matchless name we pray, amen. Just a handful of of observations. Uh, On the throne is God Almighty. Uh, He is brilliant, he's brilliant. He's at the center of the throne. Psalm 104, the glory is brilliant, and the psalmist describes it a little bit differently from Psalm 104. Praise the Lord, O my soul, the psalmist writes. O Lord, the Lord our, our God is great, and you're clothed in splendor and majesty, and you wrap yourself in light. Get that? So some, from Psalm 104, he wraps himself in light, and that's really what the rainbow is, but it gives us every color of the rainbow. Do you get the difference? You have lights in your home, that are just normal lights. But then if you want to do something special, if you want to do something with small, uh, like handcraft items, you get a different kind of light that gives you a full spectrum. Do you understand what I'm talking about? It's a full spectrum light. It has every color in the rainbow. That's what I'm envisioning. This is a brighter light, 
but it's more inclusive of a light. It covers every color in the rainbow. And he wraps himself in light and stretches out heaven like it says Psalm 104, like a tent. This is what this is like. It's like a tent. So on the throne is God Almighty. And around the throne are, are rainbows encircling it, symbolizing the unity and the completion of God himself, but the full spectrum of color. So it's extremely bright. There are also 24 elders symbolizing the people of God, white robes symbolizing, no doubt, the purity, the crowns representing the glory of God. But there's not just rainbow and elders, there's also these living creatures, which scholars aren't, aren't sure we think might be the four corners of the earth, but four different kinds of beasts, four different kinds of creatures. But whatever it is, we just know that this is really unusual. This is very imaginative, way more than anything you could uh, think or imagine or dream up. Um, so around the throne, there's quite a bit of activity. And out of the throne is a storm. There's lightning and thunder. And yet in the midst of that, there's still a rainbow. How can you have all of that at the same time? <clears throat> we, were, uh, we were at a, a conference with the family. Uh, Wanda and I were away in Colorado. Have you ever been to Colorado? It's mile high uh, pretty much everywhere. And some if you're man enough, you can go two miles high, you know. And if you're stupid, like I am, you can go to the three and then faint, you know, if you get too high up a mountain. But uh, I didn't faint. I just hugged a tree like a wimp and breathed for a while and then finally got some water and came back down. But in Colorado, you know, it, we had a sunny day. It was July. We had a sunny day complete with snow and sleet and 80-degree temperatures all at the same time. And that can happen at that altitude. You ever had a day like that where it was a wonderful day? And, and, in, and in Chicago, they called that, we had three inches of partly cloudy. Because <laughs> it just can roll in, you know. And... Uh, we have that on the East Coast as well, but ours is a little more predictable. In Colorado, it just seems to just drop on you. And that's the way this would be. There would be color and magnificence and yet a rainbow. In the midst of the storminess, there's a rainbow. There's a sense of serenity or peace. And around it are these seven lamps, verse 5. Um, and then toward the throne, there's this praise of, of God's people giving praise. Imagine it. All that activity. You know, there's just a lot happening and sometimes it takes a lot happening for us to get out of ourselves and get away from ourselves, think less of ourselves, and think more about God. And heaven is full, absolutely full of activity. There's no more, the Bible says in Revelation 21, 22, if you read it, there's, there's no, more, no more sickness or no more, no more hunger or no, no more death or pain or illness, there's no more sorrow. And, and what God does is not only does he take that away, but he replaces it with, with lots of other activities. And sometimes that's what it takes for us to kind of rewind or erase the bad memories of the past when he wipes away the tears. There's a lot of activity. And sometimes you have a take-you-away moment. Heaven's going to be a take-you-away life. It'll be totally, totally different. And the central person to that is Jesus himself. One of the concerns in heaven, as we read uh, chapters 1, 2, and 3, is that there are some scrolls. When we get to chapter 4, they say there are some scrolls, and no one's worthy to open this one scroll. And they begin to weep over that. And then, chapter 5, verse 5. 
pick it up there. Then one of the elders said to me, don't weep, do not weep. See, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has triumphed. He is able to open the scroll and its seven seals. This, this scroll is really sealed. But it's not just a scroll. This is, this is the one who can open it. And go back and look at the words. He is a lion. He's fierce. He's not to be backed down. He's from the tribe of Judah. So he's, he's, he's coming from the Savior's side. But he's of the, of the root of David, which is Joseph's line. You get this? There's a lot of biblical prophecy happening right here. This is not just the savior of the world. This is the savior of the world who has all the credibility because everything that was predicted about him came true. He fulfilled it all, and he has, the, the writer says, he has triumphed, and he's the only one who can open the scroll. And he says, so I saw a lamb looking as if he'd been slain. This was supposed to be the lion, but he presents as a lamb as if he had been slain, standing at the center of the throne, encircled by four living creatures and the elders. You get this now. You have the 24 elders the, and then the four creatures, and then this, this lamb comes, and the lamb had seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. Verse 7, chapter 5. He went and, t- t- and took the scroll from the right hand of him who sat on the throne. And when he had taken it, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb. You see, get this. They've been saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And as soon as he takes the scroll, they all drop to the ground, head down. You get this? Each one had a harp. They're playing holding golden bowls of incense, which are the prayers of God's people. And now they're going to sing a new song. And that new song is... You're worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain and by your blood you purchased for God, get that, you purchased for God persons from every tribe, every language, every people, every nation. You get that? You have purchased for God all of these people from every corner of the world and you have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God and they will reign on the earth. And then I looked and I heard a voice of many angels, numbering thousands upon thousands, tens of thousands times 10,000. And they encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders. So now you have this whole host of angels all around. And in a loud voice they say, worthy is the lamb who is slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. Then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them saying, so everyone is saying to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, so that's God the Father, and to the Lamb be praised, that's Jesus, and honor and glory and power forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshiped. Jesus is at the center of this whole thing this is what heaven is people are just honoring him and loving on him and he's at the center why well because of who he is he's the lion of the tribe of judah there's dignity he's the lion he's the top he's sovereign he could do what he wants when you're the lion he has the courage and the victory but he's of the root of david it's the fulfillment of all old testament prophecy he is the legitimate savior but he's also the lamb He's not the huge beast. He's the lamb in a, 
in biblical terms, this is, this is the sacrifice for sin. So it's because of who he is, not just because of who he is, but because of where he is. Because he's in heaven. He's not in a manger, in a back stall in Bethlehem. He's not on a cross or in a tomb. He is in heaven. Hope you get the difference. He's in a place of perfection and peace and strength and security. So it's all about Jesus because of who he is and where he is and because of what he has done. And because of what he has done, there's no more weeping and now the praise begins. I find it interesting that there is weeping in heaven and yet they, the scriptures say, I'll wipe away the tears. So there is some sorrow there, but you note the worship. He wipes away the tears. People fall down. There's instruments of worship. They're playing harps. They're singing songs. They're saying words of affirmation. They sing with gratitude for their salvation uh, to the Lamb because of who he is and because of where he is and because of what he's done and then because he is so worthy because what he's worth. So we revere him in all of heaven. He's the only hope. That's what heaven will be like. So how do you live this week? That's the big question. What's it going to be like? Let me... Just, there's, this is so intense, isn't it? It's so intense. So how do you get ready for heaven? Uh, just three things. How do we live? Number one, live like you're headed to heaven. Hang on to the values that really matter for eternity. Hang on to the values that really matter for eternity. Let go of the comparisons. Let go of the crazy chaos that ties us to this world. Let go of it, let go of it. Doesn't matter. But secondly, I just want to encourage you to think in terms of the long-term gains, not the short-term gains. Think of life on this earth as a practice run. What I'm doing when I worship with my brothers and sisters, that's just rehearsal for the big event, which is heaven. Okay? The real event is coming. But there's a third piece to this too. I'm just going to encourage you, get ready to meet the Lord. This is closer than you may realize. It's absolutely more real than you can imagine. Um, you know what's going to happen, uh, this is, uh, today's the 30th, right? So today it'll start and tomorrow it'll happen. It'll happen in the news. Every year, right about this time, the newspaper and the news media will take a moment and they will they'll scroll through the people who've died in the last year. Celebrities, scientists, um, you know, uh, social uh, developers and entertainers, a lot of entertainers will be there. And they, they'll just scroll through them at who we've lost in the last year, right? And you go, oh yeah, oh yeah. This week I got a magazine in the mail in my office it was an interview of a, th- of a great theologian of a book that I dearly love and I've read numerous times. <laughs> I have to tell you, I'm in church, I need to tell the truth. But the interview was of a guy I thought had died like a decade ago. I mean, this guy's old. He's as old as dirt. You know, he's old. And, and he says, you know, in the interview, I'm old, I'm ready for heaven. And they ask, how do you hang on? Because he's, he's been ready for heaven for like 25 years. He's so old that he's lost weight. His socks don't stay up anymore. You know, 
And he take this picture. He's got a tie, but it's just wrinkled. And he says, he doesn't care anymore. He doesn't care if his hair is combed. He's ready for heaven, you know. And this week, you're going to scroll through, and there's going to be people that have passed. And some of those people, you'll say, oh, yeah, I remember when they died three months ago or six months ago or nine months ago, whatever. And then others, you'll say, oh, my word, they're younger than me. You know, they were only 24 when they died or whatever it would be, okay? There will always be a surprise in that group, won't there? And then we'll close the door on that and move on and not think anything of it. But think of it this way. If this were your last year, what's in front of you, if 2019 your last year, how would you get ready for heaven? How would you get ready for heaven? Who would you forgive? Who would you go back and talk to? What would you make right? How would you get your heart? How would you begin to worship differently? Because you don't know, nor do I. Nor do I. <clears throat> I have a, um, a book that I read a few times, written to several. His name is Richard Carlson. He wrote a book called Don't Sweat the Small Stuff. And the byline is, it's all small stuff. Uh, guy's a psychotherapist, lives in Northern California. It's a great, good read if you want to read it. Um, he is a happy addict, just a great guy. And uh, he wrote a book called um, uh, something to the effect of uh, don't, don't Scrooge Your Life. It was a Christmas book about don't be negative at Christmas. And they asked him to come and do an interview. And the interview would be in New York City. So he hopped a plane from San Francisco to New York City, had a heart attack, and died at the age of 45. This is a healthy guy. Organic foods, happy life, low stress, great marriage, two kids, gone. And um, I'm thinking, you know what? That could be any one of us. So what would you do to get ready for heaven? What would you do? My, I guess uh, that's my third pause right there in the, in the piece. Because this is real. And you know how I, I began the message saying sometimes you enter into something and you don't realize it's real? And then you realize, this is absolutely real. It's actually happening. And I'm telling you, what we just read from the book of Revelation, everything else that Jesus has said has come true exactly the way he said it. Everything else that the prophets have said in the Old Testament about Jesus came true exactly the way they said it. We have reason to believe that everything that John says is real. And it will happen. So let us get ready for heaven because he alone is worthy. Would you bow with me in prayer? And let's stand as we pray, shall we? If you never trusted Christ, open your heart to him right now. Just tell him, God, I need the Savior, Jesus, to be mine. I trust him in personal faith. Maybe you've trusted the Lord already, and you'd say, God, make me an instrument of peace. May I love you and fully adore you because you alone are worthy. May we live lives that are worthy of the calling of Jesus Christ in our lives. And may we see this life on earth, the days that we do have, as preparation for the next. And in all things, in all things, may we honor you because you alone are worthy. We thank you for Jesus, our Savior. We thank you for your Holy Spirit coming in and taking over in our lives as we trust Christ. 
We thank you that the one who began a good work in us will not quit until he has completed the work in us. We pray this in the name of Christ our Savior, the church's sake. Amen.